This is Lighthouse 112, the podcast from the Superintendent of Schools in the North Shore School District 112. We're a pre-K through 8 public school district in Northeast Illinois. This podcast is a source of information about the school district, its leadership, its teachers, its students, and its community. It's another source of updates and an additional source of news regarding the changing narrative of public education. Inspire, innovate, engage. Good afternoon and welcome. Today we're interviewing legendary teacher Michael Buss at Edgewood Middle School. He's also a community member in District 112 and really an overall great guy. In today's episode, we're going to learn more about Michael, his leadership story, his career journey and aspirations, proud moments and thoughts regarding COVID-19, as well as anything he wants to share. So Michael, thanks again for joining today. And thanks for all of your great work on behalf of students and our district every day. It's fantastic to have you on Lighthouse 112 to share the voice of a teacher, especially during this strange COVID-19 remote teaching scenario. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Lubafell, for having me on the podcast. It's very exciting. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, I just, it's, it's just, you know, another way to you know, be involved and, and be a part of the community and kind of have our voice heard. So, you know, I'll just kind of start off by giving a little bit of background and, you know, kind of give my uh, educational journey and how I got to where I am today. So uh, I, 15 years ago is when my journey in education started. I mean, of course, it starts before that, you know, we could go back to Mr. Kuhn's English class junior year and what really was like, dang, that guy's doing it right. <laughs> so, but really, um, you know, 15 years ago is when I landed my first teaching gig. Um, and that was actually in San Diego, California, actually in Encinitas, San Diego County. Uh, I, I landed a gig at a, and it's just so fortunate. I ended up at a small private uh, college prep six through 12 school called the Grower School, uh, one of the small schools in the country. Uh, and it gave me a lot of liberty, liberty to do some really cool things. And it was a great first, first gig with a really remarkable leader. Uh, the principal, the director of the school and the founder was just, Stuart Grower was just awesome. Uh, and I taught humanities there. So I got to take my two favorite subjects take English. Uh, it was actually American literature and U.S. history, and I got to teach them together, which was a lot of fun. So, like, I would teach, you know, the Crucible while examining the McCarthy era and things like that. So, just a lot of fun. Um, I, I am a Chicago area native, uh, so that was actually just an attempt to try to avoid winter and get away and 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 not do the whole winter thing anymore. It turns out there's more to life than weather. <laughs> and uh, San Diego left some things that, you know, were lacking and that we, um, that I ended up wanting to come back to the Chicago area for. Uh, not the least of which was to, I felt drawn to um, get involved in inner city education. Uh, so I really kind of targeted Chicago public schools uh, when on my return from, from California and landed my first gig uh, in Chicago at Dunbar Vocational Career Academy. Uh, it's located at 31st and King Drive uh, near McCormick Place. Uh, actually, a cool story, it was like, it was created during World War II as a, as a, as a, a vocational school for black men. Uh, so they would bring them in and, and teach them these skills that, that they could then take you know, out into the world and, and create a livelihood for themselves and their families. Uh, of course, then it did become, you know, it, it, 
flash forward and you know desegregation and and, and letting the girls join too uh, it became a, a it remained a vocational school uh, which was really cool it was cool to be a part of that um, and they had everything from like automotive up to medical academy uh, I ended up teaching a lot of the medical academy courses and teaching uh, like a, a biomedical debate group. I was the coach of that. So we had some really cool exper experiences at Dunbar and spent six years there teaching uh, reading, English, and you name a social studies. I probably taught it at Dunbar over wow. the course of six years. So that was really cool. Um, after Dunbar, um, there were some, there were some like funny leadership issues at Dunbar that were just like, it, it seemed time and right to move on at that point. And I ended up getting a job at Clemente High School, which you may for, it's a division in Western. A lot of people know the building. It's the big black box. Um, and at Clemente, I actually had a really interesting, a wild experience there with, um, on my first day of school with students. Um, I don't even know if you're aware of this story. I, um, I was on my way, actually, the, the, the night before, I was having these weird dreams where I was having trouble walking and like these really weird things, like what is wrong with me? And then I woke up and I was having trouble walking and I was having these weird experiences. And I was like, it's the first day with students at a brand new school, we're going to work, right? So I get in the car, I'm white knuckling it, trying to keep it. I'm thinking to myself, my gosh, like this is not, this might not be the best idea. I get there and uh, flash forward, uh, the bell rings, kids are on their way up. I, I, I'm not well, I'm, I, I, I get sick in a garbage can in the bathroom. I'm like, okay, or in, the, in my classroom. I'm like, I gotta figure something out. Like, I, I have to go downstairs and talk to the administrator, like the principal, let's figure this out. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I think I need to go to the emergency room. Wow. So they're like, well, there's a hospital right next door and there's one up the road. Something I don't think you would have ever done. And I, they said, what should, I'm like, I should walk there? And they said, yeah, yeah, go ahead, you're fine. And I, I'm like, okay. So I exited the building. I, I escorted myself <laughs> across the street down to vision to, and, and uh, admitted myself to the emergency room and had a conversation with the ER doctor and we went back and forth and we were talking. And uh, he's like, you know, let's do a scan of that brain of yours and see what's going on in there. And I'm like, I'm, I'm always, I'm a positive guy, always have been. Sure. And uh, I was like, okay, sure, why not? At this point, my wife is on her way to the city to, to come yell at me more than anything, like, you idiot, what are you going to work for? And uh, so the doc comes in, back in, and he says, Mr. Buss, I, I have to tell you, you have a mass in your head. And I, and I said, um, like, uh, that I thought that was a joke because, you know, a mask could be like my brain. You're talking about my brain. Oh, that's a good one. He's like, no, Mr. Buzz, I wouldn't joke about something like this. <laughs> so, so long story short, maybe too late for that already. But uh, I ended up having a golf ball size hemangioblastoma brain tumor in my cerebellum. Right. So it's like, whoa. So one of those experiences where and at this point I had a, my, my oldest was three and my now middle child was one. So, you know, all of a sudden you get this perspective of like, holy cow. So right away that, you know, the, the, the doctor, the emergency room doctor at St. Elizabeth says, you know, we have a neurosurgery department here on staff and, you know, you, you need to get this taken care of. This is not something that you can just deal with. And I said, whoa, do, whoa I have a doctor. <laughs> yeah, time out. <laughs> I have a doctor. I'd like to talk to him first. Sure. So he, he uh, I talked to my doctor and he ends up 
uh, lining something up. He's like, no, you're not having surgery there. You know, you're, we, we, I, we'll take care of this. So I, he's like, we'll, we'll get you released and we'll, we'll get going. And uh, another cool part of this story is that he ended up getting me with the chair of the department at Evanston Hospital, who just so happens to be the doctor that is played by Alec Baldwin in the movie Concussion. No way! Wow. Okay, that is something. Yeah. So, so he did. He 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 pulled out all the stops, and he made uh he made sure I was in the best hands out there. Uh, Doctor Julian Bales took care of me. I had ended up having an eleven-hour brain surgery, um, and and you know obviously here we are. Everything and you know worked out. Thank goodness. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was it's it's quite the story, and you know, you know, you don't ever really. You can't relate, you know, like a lot of people have these near-death, ex- not, not, and I don't even know that I would say I was near death, but it was something that you contemplated. I had a week before the, between the diagnosis and the surgery, so I started doing things like journaling to my kids, like, I hope you're reading this, because I gave it to you when you're 21, and, you know, and, and you, you know, you, you're mad at me for something I did, and yeah, I'll take that over, you're trying to figure out who your dad was, you know, because I grew up, I, yeah, I personally grew up without a, a father in my life. So I was like, you know, the last thing I wanted was for, for something like that to happen to my boys. Of course. So, yeah. So, um, so that happened. Uh, um, so that happened. Uh, and I had to miss, I missed a quarter of work, uh, the first quarter of school and ended up going back uh, in the second quarter. Uh, it was, it was a, a little bit of a struggle at first. Um, and then again, in, in, at Clemente, there were some interesting leadership decisions and things going on there that, you know, and you hear this a lot in, in Chicago public and, and in a lot of other schools as well, but it, it was, it was really hard. And I think after what I had been through, I was just like, all right, I, I need to make some moves. I need to figure something out. And I, I gave myself a, a, a deal. I was like, you got to figure something out. Like, so, so I, you know, I pursued some other endeavors. I, I kind of, tried you know dabbled in this dabbled in that and 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 at the end of the day um was actually after my the year after that year i was ready to walk away from education just because i was getting so frustrated uh and things just weren't going well and i was talking to colleagues at clemente and they had mentioned that they saw uh an opening of an english opening at edgewood middle school and i said you know what i have applied to edgewood middle school at least a half a dozen times. I've emailed back and forth with that principal. I've like, you know, things have been going, like I, I keep trying. I'm like, I, I, why should I bother? So, you know, I did the whole, you know, and as you know, the application process for schools is, is extensive. Oh yeah. Every time I go in there, I would be, I would try to modify and like make my, you know, make my resume better and do this. And for this one, what did I do? I was like, I don't think there's a chance. I'm just gonna hit submit and whatever. Of course, I hit submit. A couple of weeks later, I get a phone call, and and I learn that um, the posi- there's a position, and they would like to interview me. So during the interview, I am being, uh, you know, we're talking, and the principal says, uh, you know, I actually have a, a social studies position that just opened up, and it seems like you're a better fit for social studies. And I was said I would agree with that. <laughs> so <laughs> long story short, ended up getting a social studies wow. position six years ago now. So this that was six years ago. So taught social studies at Edgewood. The first three years were eighth grade. Um, and then when, as Elm Place population was getting smaller, um, we, there, was, there was need to make room for another amazing teacher, Mr. John Whitehead, shout out. Shout out to <laughs> um, that's right. 
Yeah, so he, um, that, so they asked if I would mind going to sixth grade social studies to make room for him in eighth grade. I said, bring that man over. I, I love that guy. Um, you know, I kind of look at him as almost um, like a role model of sorts as somebody else who lives in the community, has kids go, went through the school district and actually went through his, went through Elm Place as well. Um, and fun story, my, my oldest will be starting at Edgewood next year. Very so, cool. It's really yeah. nice. Yeah, so I lean on John a lot. You know, I ask him for tips and advice, and he's he's a good guy for that. Um, so yeah, so and then uh, when Elm Place closed, of course, they, there was some shuffling of teachers and you know placement and where people ended up needing to be. And the fact that I have that English endorsement and social studies and have experience in both, uh, I ended up and in English last year when Elm Place closed. So these last two years, I've been in the English department and have been actually, it's been really wild. Like I, I it, it made my move to seventh grade English, which then completed my entire uh, range of six through 12. I have now taught every grade from six through 12. Like I say, pretty much every social studies. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you what, seventh grade, I don't know that I have ever seen more growth in a year than in, in any of those in six through 12 or, um, it's it's a lot of fun um so yeah that's that's kind of my story like you know english the last two years i i joke that you know as a as a seventh grade english teacher my writing has improved which has been pretty good <laughs> as i'm an, as i've been a graduate student the last the last couple of years a few years as well so you know there's 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 definitely been a lot of perks and i've i've it really just loved my experience at edgewood and you know, I have great colleagues and the kids are amazing. The families are just so supportive and remarkable. And I'm just really proud to be a member and be an, be an Eagle. Well, I'm proud that you are an Eagle. I'm proud that you're in District 112, Michael. I'm grateful to you for spending time with us today. Um, it really is nice to learn the background and the story of our teachers. And I knew a little bit about what you shared, but I learned and discovered more today than I knew. So I really appreciate that. Crazy, weird coincidence, a good, good old friend of mine who I grew up with, went to junior high with, high school and everything, still friends with today. His dad was a longtime football coach at Clemente, uh, Bill Galuzzi. May he rest in peace. Sadly, Bill um, passed away. But his son, John, and I are good friends. And Bill was a like, legendary at Clemente. So that's kind of an interesting and neat intersection, um, you know, in our stories. It's kind of cool. Um, yeah. We're going to take a, um, a quick break, but I um, just want to remind our, our listeners that Michael is a, one of many incredible teachers in District 112, incredible staff members. We have a diverse group of teachers at the helm of our classrooms, and with Lighthouse 112, it's yet another way we can get the story out of our excellence and just how cool and deep our people are. When we return, we're going to learn more about what's on the mind of Michael Buss, teacher at Edgewood Middle School in North Shore School District 112. Please stay tuned. Middle school teacher Michael Buss. We just had the chance to learn um, about his background, his story, and just the real neat life experiences that have shaped him as a teacher. And I think everyone can agree that we are lucky and fortunate to have Michael at the helm of our classrooms. Um, thank you so much again for your willingness to spend time today 
with me on Lighthouse 112. Really appreciate uh, the interview. And now I'm going to ask you to shift gears a little bit. Um, as you know, we've been out of in-person schooling since March 13th. We've been engaged in teacher-directed e-learning since April 6th. Um, would you please spend some time sharing the teacher point of view on this unexpected and abrupt and total change as to how we do our business? Yeah, for sure. What wild times we're in, right? Um, first of all, I, I wanted to thank you know you and the administration for your leadership during this time. I, I've you know I've I've said it in emails. I've replied to tweets. I've you know I, I've I've thanked you many times because I think your leadership has been great and your your prioritizing of the highest needs I think has been really important and and remains important. Um, the idea of yeah, um, the idea of Maslow over Bloom, right? Like we have to take care of our most basic needs first, and and the fact that you're the two priorities on your list of four um, put those Maslow needs forward first, being food, and and the safety, health, and welfare of of the students and staff. Um, you know, I think that's it, it remains to the most important thing and, and something that we definitely need to be aware of and and um, cognizant of as we are navigating these completely uncharted waters. So thank you for that. And and the regular communication, it's been, you know, as you mentioned in the beginning, you know, you're going to over communicate. And I and I think you as as time has gone on, it's been, you know, more laser laser focused and and, and precise. And, and that's been great, too. And of course, still focusing on learning and and making sure that we're, you know, we're doing the best that we can by the by the kids in the community. So, um, you know, as a, as a teacher it, it, with those four priorities, I, I feel in lockstep with that. I, and and from my angle, of course, I'm not feeding the community like the district is, but for me, that emotional well-being I think is my top priority as a, as a teacher. Um, you know, I, I want to try to be very aware of you know, what my kids are going through. And, and I, I really was hesitant in that first part of the interview talking about the tumor. It's not something I lead with usually, um, but I felt like it was important because it kind of helps you understand the perspective of, you know, having a kind of a trauma-informed approach, which again, thanks to Dr. Kevin Ryan for, for sharing an article with the staff about that from Teaching Tolerance. Um, it was a great article that was like, you know, we have to recognize that this is a traumatic time for, for kids, for families, for everybody, and we're all in this together. So, um, you know, I haven't spoken to a single adult who hasn't said that this, that, who hasn't gone through an, at least a difficult time every single day. And, you know, some days are worse than others. You know, you have days like, you know, today's happens to be a gray, rainy day. And, you know, that makes it a little bit harder when you can't go outside, you know, at least the days where we can enjoy our backyards or our driveways or, or a patio, you know, it, it helps to be able to get a little sunshine and fresh air. Um, and, you know, the fact that the, that so many adults that I talk to on a regular basis are finding this to be so challenging, just, you know, I, it makes me think about stepping back into the shoes when, when, you know, when we, when you were a kid, when I was a kid, think about how long a day felt, right? You know, a day felt like a week, the day. So think about the eternity that these kids feel like they're in right now, you know, day we're, we're stacking, 
you know, if a day feels like a week, we, we've stacked, we've stacked practically a year's worth of weeks on top of these kids' backs. And it's, it's a lot. So the, they, and, and they don't have the coping mechanisms like we have, you know, we've, you know, have 20, 30, 40, whatever years of experience to, to rely on and fall back on. Uh, and the kids just don't have that. So, you know, I try to be very much aware of, of, of that and what they're going through, you know, this eternity for them. Um, and, and we need to be careful and aware of it. Uh, we owe it to them. They're going to look back. On, I think I, I, I truly feel that they're, they're going to look back on this time and they're going to remember what our priorities were. Oh, I, and, hope so. I hope so. And, and I hope they look back at it in a positive way, you know, I, I, and, I, and I think, you know, you know, depending on where we are and what our circumstances are, I, I think that, you know, if we continue along the path we are, I, I think they'll look back and have, have positive memories, I hope. You know, every every story is different, and the only story I know is mine, and and for every other person as well. Um, but you know, I just think about think about that from from the kids' angles. Um, and I also think about you hear the things about you know the kids falling behind and missing standards and, and things like that. Is that a, is that a thing that's happening? And I, yeah, the, the the my view on that is that everybody in the world right now is getting an education like nobody else in the world has ever gotten. Exactly. Right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I feel like this is going to be a generation that is going to be more resilient. They're going to have a deep perspective of what is important. And they're going to have a strength of character that's unknown for, you know, many generations in this country, at least. Um, I, have a, I had a professor who was, who's actually an Iranian expat. And we had a conversation in my very first grad class in my pursuit of a, the master's in history. And it was about, you know, and we kind of all agreed, like, Americans are kind of soft. <laughs> you know, not, you know, just, you know, we've had it pretty easy. And he yeah. has a daughter, yeah, and he, he has a daughter, and he, he had posted something on Facebook that said um, she was writing a story about COVID-19. And he said, this breaks my heart. She should be writing about unicorns, and she should be writing about her plans for the weekend, and she should. But I reminded him of our, of our conversation and, and how, you know, you know, this is tough and it's going to build these, these character traits that these kids are going to have forever. And, you know, would we rather avoid this? Of course. But, you know, again, looking at the positives, I think is key. And we have to realize that I think the education that this generation, these kids are getting are going to come out with something beyond anything that any school district or teacher can provide, you know, like now the, this, the teacher and the school district are now parents, they're grandparents, they're yeah, you know, siblings. They they are you know other people that are that are getting involved. You know YouTube in, in a lot of ways, a lot of a lot of things like that. Um, so you know the idea of falling behind is something I kind of have a hard time accepting. It's just I, I just don't feel like it's the case. And, and and in addition to that, like we're all in this together, the whole world. Like when we when we do end up back in school, you know we're going to be starting from more or less the same place and. And, you know, we, we, you know, standards are, they're just written. Like things are always revised. We can revise standards. Yeah. I feel the same way. You know, it's interesting, Michael. I have a lot of webinars. I swear I've been on more Zoom meetings and webinars during this um, stay at home situation than ever in my life. And the nice thing is a lot of learning in nice chunks. Um, yet a lot of conversations have been, oh my gosh, is there going to be a 50% loss of learning or 70%. And, and a lot of my responses are, number one, if there are, maybe we rethink what are we supposed to be prioritizing? You know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. see a loss per se. 
we work really hard as teachers and as administrators and as students and parents to make meaning and make value and add value out of this situation. It isn't eight to three live synchronous socialized work at home. It just isn't that. So taking all of our expectations of what that is and what that was and trying to put it through our computer screens and our video conferencing, my personal professional opinion, that's a flawed assumption to start judging this based upon internal socialized in-person school. I think we're gonna come back and it, what is is going to be. Um, so I don't wanna sound like an existential philosopher here, but I'll say our students in grades pre-K through eight are gonna come to our classrooms. Our teachers in grades pre-K through eight are gonna come to our classrooms. We're gonna roll up our sleeves, say, thank goodness we're back together. I can't wait to be back in person socialization and humanity matter in our schooling and you know what whatever standards we are left off on we'll pick back up whatever experiences we need we'll pick back up and many of my colleagues right now in real time are worried that a we won't be able to come back fully in person and b there may be some resurgence of this virus you know my response is okay i'm planning to come back in person if the public health experience says we can't guess what we're going to pivot we're going to take the best of what we've learned during this remote learning apply it however we need to and then we're going to continue to apply our humanity as we still have infused even in this artificial intelligence or distance world and we're simply going to make it spectacular just like the people from hurricane katrina they're lawyers and doctors now just like the people from earthquakes just like everything yeah it kind of stinks that we're not ending the year with you and your kids right now in school. Absolutely. You know what, sure. though? We've got to sort of toughen up and not in an uncaring glib way, but this is life. We're going to be okay. We love our kids. We love our yeah. teachers. Um, so I, I appreciate your perspectives, really do. And I apologize for being preachy. Yet, I mean, there's, there's a lot of talking and a lot of thinking. We're going to make it. We're going to thrive and we're going to be amazing. We can't judge tomorrow on yesterday's experience of judgment because tomorrow exists differently. I think it's a silver lining, as you mentioned. I really appreciate that. Guess what? We're going to do stuff new. We're going to do things newly created. Um, I genuinely think the teacher response has been superb. And I think we've all said, okay, you know what? No one really knows what we're doing yet we're gonna do it really well. And every week we're gonna reiterate it. I'm real proud of that. So I just wanna share with you, I'm so proud of what we're doing. Thank you, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I think like, you know, I, the, the teachers, the response and everybody that, all the work that everybody's putting in, in this new, like you said, this it, whatever this is, like what we're doing. And, and each week it gets a little bit better and it gets a little bit easier. Right. And, and maybe not easy. I mean, it's still hard. And, and I'm not going to lie. Like I still like every now and again, I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm not crying. You're crying. Right. Like, exactly. <laughs> right. So, and, you know, and then it's a challenge. That's for sure. But, you know, and, and some are more fortunate than others. You know, you have teachers. I'm lucky. Like, I mean, in, in, in some ways, my wife, is, my wife is home, like, which in, in some ways is good. Like she lost about 75% of her income because a job of hers is gone. So sorry. But, 
yeah, but the plus side is she's here because yeah. if she's going off to work, I don't know. Like, I don't like, I don't know how the teachers that, are, that don't have that, that luxury, like who have a, a spouse that either is going off to work or is expected to be performing for their work at a hundred percent level. Like they were pre pre quarantine, you know, it's, it's really like kudos hats off to those, those teachers right? Like that is, that is an ultimate challenge. And, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that, you know, I have my, have Jamie here helping out and well, not helping out. She's, she's kind of the teacher while I'm up here, <laughs> my Zoom calls, like I'm doing my stuff uh, up in the office and she's downstairs with the kids in the, in the kitchen and they're, they're getting it done. I'm getting it done. Um, and it's, it's, uh, you know, and, and then from the student side too, like the other one, like, you know, there's the, the, the students who are, you know, have a parent that's going off to, you know, a, an essential job or, or maybe one parent is at home or no parents are at home and a, a sit like, you know, a sibling, my student's age, a seventh grader is perhaps taking care of a third or a second grader. Yes. These are all things that we kind of have to really consider and think about, you know, when, when we're, uh, when we have our expectations and what we want to get, get done for our, for our students. And, and, uh, you know, and, and I think too, when we do come back, that's something that we're really good at too. Like we're really good at addressing the gaps, you know, yes. like all, you know, I, every, every teacher I've met, like, you know, individualized instruction, like for sure, like, you know, the whole, uh, the idea of you know, IEPs for special education yep. students, which I have one downstairs. He's, he's got, he's got a nice, he's got a long IEP, but like, you know, I, m every every good teacher is already doing that for every single student already anyway so where the gaps are and where we're you know need to catch up we're going to do that either when we get back to in person or you know like you say i mean we're going to get back in person someday <laughs> like, yeah you know? I'm, I'm planning to reopen our school district in person in august whatever the dates are and yeah, yeah if someone says i can't or it's different we're going to come together as a community we're going to figure it out and we're going to execute learning in an absolutely amazing way. I long for the days when we can redo our school system the way we're accustomed, sprinkling in some of the new cool learning and new experiences of success that our teachers are, are learning and showing really immediately and really rapidly in changed ways. You know, maybe we'll have two or 3% of our students who can't or won't fully attend school in person. People have asked me that too. Maybe they're medically fragile. Maybe there's a trauma, you know, some, some situation. Well, guess what? We've just proven for better or for worse, we can turn on a dime in like two weeks and completely right. change our business delivery. I think we'll be okay. I think our teachers are going to be way more than okay. And someone today said, I was on a webinar and they said, how are you assessing your students' standards acquisition or lack thereof between March and, and, and on August? And I said, well, we're gonna be arm in arm with our teachers and we're gonna ask our teachers. Our teachers know what our students know and you know, standardized assessment has its place. It's not the end all or be all. And there's other ways to operate besides standardized assessments every single day. We're gonna rely on our teachers. We've got professional judgment and like you said, we're filling the gaps and the biggest, biggest bottom line is we're gonna prioritize what's really important because our kids socially and emotionally need to be together. And again, yeah. when it's physically safe and the doctors say that, obviously all that I take very seriously. Yet there's an element of school that I don't think anybody realized. And I joked with a teacher the other day, 
I said it was a lot better when you only had 10 evaluators, now you got 4,000. Meaning, now that you're practicing your craft in the homes of every yeah. child, holy moly, talk about vulnerability. Please know that that's not lost on me. That's a really big deal. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think grace, um, uh, gratitude, appreciation, love, respect, I think that's what should be directed at our teachers and our support staff. But I really have to thank you, my friend. You are just a really great guy, a great colleague, just a wonderful person. I'm proud to work with you. I'm proud to lead with you. And I genuinely look forward to the next few weeks we've got remotely. And then more importantly, as soon as we can get back in person, I really, really look forward to that. So, Michael, any closing thoughts you want to um, end our, our episode with? I'm just going to thank you again. Heartfelt gratitude for you being here and sharing yourself. I do have, I have one more point. I, are you a Saturday Night Live guy? Oh, I watch love Saturday Night Live since I was eight years old. Yeah, I've been watching okay. it So I don't know if you've seen the last two episodes. The first, the first episode post post uh you know lockdown right yes it was terrible oh, i don't gosh. tom hanks episode that one it yes. was so bad yes. <laughs> the and next and these people and here's the thing these this is these are people who are in the media industry right Thank like you. this is their jam like this is what they're experts in right and it was bad and i think they knew it and they came back next week a week later and it was so much better like it was it was and and i just and i just that's an analogy i just draw for us like i feel like and I, and I don't think we were that bad out of the gate. Not as bad as SNL. So we've got that going for us. That's but right. We were better. We were better. We were better out of the gate. But, and, I think, and I think the same thing, though. We're getting better and better. And like you said, I'm adding, you know, we're adding new things and new features and new components. Like, and it's a good time to try these things because it's, you know, I feel like there's, it, 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 there's little risk. Like, you, you know, you go for it. If, it. if it fails, it fails, right? It's okay. We Absolutely. tried. Our heart is there. We're doing it for the right reason. And it's all about the kids. So. I, I, yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you for this opportunity. <laughs> it was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you to the listeners of Lighthouse 112. And um, stay safe out there. Thank you for listening to Lighthouse 112, the podcast from the Superintendent of Schools in the North Shore School District 112. We're a pre-K through eighth grade public school district in Northeast Illinois. This podcast is a source of information about the school district, its leadership, its teachers and students, and its community. It's another source of updates and an additional source of news regarding the changing narrative of public education. Our motto is inspire, innovate, engage. This podcast can be listened to and heard on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Radio Public, Stitcher, and other sources are being added all the time. Please check back and subscribe to us to stay current with what's going on in District 112. Please also visit our website at www.nssd112.org. Thank you so much for listening and for your interest.